Her mind is aglow with whirling, transient nodes of thought, careening through a cosmic vapor of invention. Ditto. Ditto? Ditto, you provincial putz. Episode 2 of the Two Putts Podcast. I'm Jake Landry. Nick Huff here, baby. And, uh, no, we got, a, we got a lot of talk about, my friend, my my fellow putts, because uh, we have some breaking news uh, from this morning that happened overnight. We're going to do that second, but I wanted to open up with your business, because you got some good, good business that I think uh, is going to expand our conversation from last week and really look at sports and culture and sort of how it's changed since when we were kids so please lead off with your business mr huff yeah as you i mean as you the listeners might know or might not know we're teachers so we work in an elementary school um and what i've kind of noticed is as these kids get into school man they're not fans of teams like we are like they're not these diehard yankees fans or diehard red sox fans or diehard dodgers fans they're fans of players. So I was talking to one student. I'm like, yo, who's your favorite team? And he said, oh, I'm a Bengals fan. I said, why? He said, oh, I like Joe Burrow. So I asked him, if Joe Burrow left, you'd be a fan of that new team. So I just kind of want to get your take, Jake, on that, where I think players are now the brand and not the – like what do you think about players being the brand and not the teams anymore? Well, it's interesting because I think for me in terms of – you know, wh- where's the impact and, you know, is it positive or negative is it's about winning. And so if the player, I'll give you a great example, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. That's a positive impact in my opinion, because yes, sure. We can be fans of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Number one goal is to win. He has that Tom Brady aspect to him where I'm sure if you gave him truth serum and yet, you, you know, sat him down he would tell you that he wants to be better than Tom Brady. You might not even need the truth serum to hear him say that. So in terms of me being a fan of, you know, Patty Mahomes, if I was him going to different teams, it might make sense for me to sort of just root for him and just root for his success. And it is a, and his attitude and the fandom goes towards winning and that team winning. But I think, and this is crossing sports, which, we're going to end up just doing in this podcast. I think there's times, and I think the NBA, this happens and maybe in the MLB as well, where loving a player doesn't lend itself to a winning attitude or winning. It's more about stats and collecting stats. And that's where for me, I think it can be problematic because for me as a viewer, I want to see, and I said this last week, teams focused on winning and players focused on winning. And so when when stats are being padded and it's not like for example one of my biggest pet peeves is opening up the ESPN app and seeing a highlight of the team that lost the game it's like oh man Damian Lillard does sick behind the back fake out that makes so and so look like a fool and then I look at the score of the game and they lost by 20 points for me why is that the highlight then 
Uh, I mean, it's marketable, dude. It's a business. Like, dude, in football, I can I the Buccaneers Chiefs game. Ah, uh, one sec. Someone's at the door. <laughs> Coming. You just can't make it up, folks. Here live on two putts, baby. The school I nurse mean, just interrupted the thing. Oh my gosh! I'm you just gonna cut all this anyway. But do not cut that last part. No, but. The Chiefs Buccaneers Super Bowl, dude. The Buccaneers dominated the game. The highlight of the play was an incomplete pass by Patrick Mahomes. You remember when he's like lying on the floor, dude? Like mm, maybe, diving? yeah, yeah. But that was the highlight of the play, I guess. But I that's I think there's a deeper situation with that where, like, even look at what we're reading. Like we're reading Twitter. We're like, dude, I'm at fault of it now. If Instagram, if I hit have to hit more on the. The caption, <laughs> I ain't reading that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's a true so, story. So I think people just need quick hits of dopamine is what Well, let is. me hit you, but let me hit you with that. No, see, I think this is the difference. I think people are addicted to the quick hits of dopamine, but this is one thing that I struggle with. So let's say you're we're ESPN and we're saying, okay, listen, the videos that we post on our app that people are going to look at are only going to be a minute to a minute and a half long, okay? I would much rather see... And listen, you can include the, you know, and I'm, I don't mean to pick on Damian Lillard. I love the guy, but you can include that, it, you know, there, that highlight. But I would rather see a quick one minute and 30 second super quick clips of action of that tells me the story of the game than I would see one play with the commentators yelling and doing their thing and then it shows it again in slow motion. And that's the thing is I, I think ads are part of this too because if you think about it, if you want to go on ESPN, for example, and you want to kind of look, they, they you don't really access highlights easy anymore. It's really hard through ESPN. That's why I love the Premier League and NBC because they give you the extended highlights, but you have to find those on YouTube. But I feel like on ESPN, you can't really get highlights of the game. Highlights to me means you get a feel for the game. You get kind of like the flow of the game and you get the story of the game, if you will. But nowadays, highlights really means like what was the one play that was, you know, posterizing whatever. And it completely does it has nothing to do with the context of the game. And that's where for me, when we talk about, you know, kids being fans of players, not, you know, sort of the sport, I, to me... I, it's disappointing because what's exciting about games is the story of the game, right? And I think we see that, you know, in the NFL a lot and in different sports where, you know, a team going up early, a team coming back, like those are the things that make sports really exciting for me. And the individual highlight of an athlete doing something really cool where it's almost an extension of the training pitch, right? It's like they're doing something that they would try against their friends type of thing. I find that much less interesting and sure, it might be hit the dopamine hit, but I'm one of the people who think slam dunks are not interesting at all. I, I'm not interested in watching dunk highlights whatsoever. So again, for me, I would much rather see the game. But again, that's more about the teams than it is about the individual players. Dude, and I think we're going to really have to just end the conversation there because like I don't watch – dude, It's we're in, we're in Twitter clip era. And right. we didn't grow up in that. So, like you said, like I watched the NBA highlights on YouTube. I watched the the NFL highlights on YouTube. I watched the baseball highlights on YouTube. The I just don't think these like that's just not how these kids are growing up. So I think really we're gonna have to end that conversation there because we're gonna sound like old curmudgeons right now, bro. Hey, listen, we're and I'll we're, tell you what the yeah. dunk highlights. That's a very uh, 
hot take, spicy take, because you're well, watching the wrong dunk highlights. Well, and then the other thing, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this a little later, is the amount of three threes that are be, being taken right now. I find pretty uninteresting as well. Like I don't think I don't want to watch a game of people just chucking up threes. Listen, who doesn't love a you know corner three moving the ball around? You know that's beautiful. But when it's just hucking them up, you know, forty five to fifty a night, it's a lot. Okay. Well, Let's just jump into that, dude. Let's just jump into that, dude. Because I know who you're talking about. You're talking about the Celtics coach, Coach Missoula, a.k.a. Missoula Ball. If they're not getting 53-pointers up a night, it's a bad night for us as a Celtics fan. Yeah, and that's been one of the things. So he's been criticized because he's an analytics coach, and there is a bigger conversation about that. And, you know, kind of quick tangent but related – Go back to the COVID year when Tampa Bay Rays were making a run for the World Series. You had Blake Snell. He had gone through the lineup twice. Well, the analytics say if the pitcher goes through the lineup twice, you got to pull him. Now, this was Blake Snell before he looked like a retired, you know, used car salesman. Yo, hold up. Cy Young Award winner. Cy Young Award winner. Last year with the Padres? Yep. Dude, the dude looks like he – I'm sorry. He doesn't look well. I, I Wellness check for B- Blake Snell. When I would watch the games that he was throwing, he, he, the eyes the eyes tell you a story, okay? That's all I'm going to say on that one. But Yes. Fine. Fine. Okay. Cy Young Award winner, all that stuff. But I guess my point is is more about the manager decision mm-hmm. to pull Blake Snell in that moment. I feel like Tampa fans, if they, if they even care, and, you know, that year I was pretty excited about their run, I think – History will remember that as a mistake and a moment in the transition of sports from, you know, having coaches that use feel and understanding of the game and experience to make decisions versus coaches nowadays that use analytics. So Joe Missoula is a product of that shift. And the thing is, is I don't know how tuned in you are to postgame press conferences and things, but, you know, Missoula is one of those people that comes up and can talk about the data and talk about the analytics and, you know, really does that a lot. But the problem is, is then there's times in games, like for example, this week, they played the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry had five fouls. And the Celtics were up by 17 in the third quarter. And they never pressured him to get that six foul to foul out. They end up losing in overtime. That's a coaching feel thing. The analytics aren't going to help them there. And let me hit you with this, too, because someone actually, a caller said this on Felger and Maz yesterday, and it was a great point, which is those analytics are based on larger samples, right? So they're usually based on, I guess, 100 game samples. Mm -hmm. So even when we're thinking about those analytics and applying them in-game situations, well, the in-game situation is its own game. And I think that's one of the interesting things about maybe, you know, the number of games in a season is when you are constantly focusing on analytics you're thinking of a larger sample and what happens in a larger sample. But I guess in the age of mindfulness and being present, I would ask, are you being present in the, the moment that you're in? Yeah, analytics can't tell you that Steph Curry's on the floor with five fouls. Right. I get, so, no, yeah, and jo, I mean, Joe mazul has been critiqued for many things, his lack of timeouts. Like, I call the time, like, I, like his timeout usage is horrendous um still is in my opinion but i mean analytic like the math is easy on it if you shoot 33 percent from three you're shooting better than 50 percent from two like that's so threes are more valuable than three is more valuable than two i mean it is interesting i think it also has with missoula i think the three ball 
I mean, Steph Curry showed that it can win. But I also think it's an issue with Tatum and Brown is I think, I mean, it goes back to our last pod. Dude, they're soft, bro. Every time Tate, so yeah, um, so yeah, like the Celtics shoot all these threes and do all that, but I almost feel like that's what that team is designed to do. They're not designed to, it's interesting because I'm not a fan of Missoula. I think he's a great guy. I actually really like him in the interview. He's a, he's a savage. He is a savage, that's for sure. But, I mean, I question some of his coast decisions. 53s? Well, let me hit you with this. You know, you said shooting for your average. Well, okay, Derek White is like a 33% three-point shooter. He made six threes the other night. He shot 18. So, yeah, okay, he shot his average. But 18 three-pointers for one player? That's a lot. And, yeah, and and I, you know what I just saw on uh, – Instagram Reels, what we've been really firing on all cylinders yeah. with lately. Yo, Instagram it's, Reels were good today. It's addicting and it's unhealthy. It'll be like six more, and oh well, now it's three o'clock, three a.m. Mm. Uh, no, is I just saw something on Instagram Reels that's like every time you shoot is a decision not to pass. That's a good point. And I, the NBA is, I mean, the term is pace and space, but. Like, I just think sometimes, like, I've seen it in the NBA now just in general. Like, dude, the analytics has killed the game. The mid-range shot is no longer. I've seen teammates pass up a layup to shoot a corner three because of the analytics. I mean, I think Missoula's just a product of where he was developed in. Like, I think he's a math guy and he trusts it. And, look... I I think like what you said, the feel for the game is really an underrated ability of the coach. Or, mm. So, like, dude, I would have immediately said, "All right, Curry's got five fouls. Let's switch onto him and get him into the post and just body this dude down." Right? Anyone yeah. would say that, even but, me. But like Missoula, Missoula, just you're right. He's so analytically, analytically driven that his argument would be. Well, based on the analytics and in this 100-game sample where there's a big enough sample size, yeah, that was the right play. But they so, lost the game. So, but, like, that talk about data. Well, the empirical evidence in that situation would say, and again, it's sure, okay, we're, like, assuming that they would have been able to get him to foul out. But and let me but let me hit you with this. this let's go beyond the NBA because we saw this with fourth down this year mm-hmm. in, um, in football. And I guess the question is for me is, are we in 10 years, in 15 years, you know, when I guess our children or whatever are watching, how many coaches are we going to have or managers or whatever sport it is where, you know, maybe their primary attribute isn't analytics? I think it's going to be a rare thing in 10 years from now where a GM and a coach are both not uh, you know, analytically driven as their primary attribute. I know I said that in a funky way, but... No, I hear what you're saying. Like, I think the best coaches are the ones that do both. So I was listening to Mike D'Antoni speak, who was the coach of the Rockets with Harden and Chris Paul. And it was like, if it wasn't a three, it was a layup. Like, that was their whole shtick. And... um he was talking and he was like, someone asked him a question basically in the regards of, 
like that was a bad shot. Why did you why did you let him shoot it? Or why didn't you tell him it was a bad shot? He's like, well, I don't want to kill this dude's confidence. So like mm. analytically, that might not have been the best shot. That might have been a 22% shot. But he felt the game and was like, yeah, but like if I tell this dude don't shoot that, now he's overthinking it every time he gets the rock. Well, right. is that the right shot? That the right shot? And Mike D'Antoni D- never won a championship, but he like revolutionized the game with the Suns and the Houston Rockets. I think the best coaches can do both. Like, if you're too analytical, well, now you're getting into the spectrum of, like, now you, your whole offense is robotic. Right. There's there's no feel or form. And with the Celtics in particular, I mean, they have two dudes that can just go get you a bucket, which well, but, helps. But the, but the thing is, you have to remember, too, is, you know, they were in the finals the year before with Ime Odoka. Who had a completely different well, way of so, running things. Well, so. that th- that that was interesting because Missoula, you definitely see as offensive driven. Like the Celtics last year were pretty well, like one of the best offensive teams. No, I agree with that. But here's my thing: is like the reason they say defense win championships is, especially in basketball, is, dude, if your offense gets cold, like there are times where you don't hit shots, but you can always defend. Right. You can always defend. So. I think that's a whole philosophical, like, Ime was, we're going to buy in on defense. The points will come because we have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and, like, we have bucket getters. The points will come. So, and Missoula is very much like, we're going to analytically destroy these teams. And he talks about it in his post-game interviews. He'll say, like, well, that was analytically what we needed to do. Yeah, but I think he's someone who benefits from having a really good roster. And it's interesting because there is a parallel with Spolstra where, you know, Spolstra's first year, he had LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. And obviously, you know, we could look back at that time and say that the Heat should have won more. But we would also say it's the growing pains and of, of the coaching, I guess, and the whole dynamic. And then also, you know, Spolstra now is pretty much regarded as the best coach in the NBA. So maybe that's Joe Missoula's path, too. He's got to win, though, in the next two years. Well, I would, I would think I that would he will last. There with Spolstra, and I'll tell you why. Were the play, were the individual players on the Heat better than what they have? Yeah, they had LeBron, they had Dwayne Wade, they have Chris Bosh, three future Hall of Famers, and LeBron is still a top five player in the NBA. The difference is, is schematically, LeBron and Dwayne Wade did not fit, and that's where I think the growing pains were. Was Dwayne Wade was like, nah, I got the keys to the car, big dog. Like, you're you're the Robin to my Batman because they both needed the ball. Mm. Schematically, like, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they don't need the ball. They share the ball, and you could see it in the way that they play. Like, sometimes Jason Tatum will come and set a screen. LeBron needs the ball to be at his most effective. Well, who else needed the ball to be at their most effective? Dwayne Wade. So I actually would disagree, and I think Spolster was young and growing pains. There could be that, but also I think the I think the Celtics roster, like schematically, I'm not saying player wise, fits the game better and fits the their stars better. So it's well, that's an interesting point. The unfortunate thing about the Celtics right now is that we really can't take much from the regular season because mm-hmm. yeah. the way these last season, seasons have gone, it really is about their playoffs. But let's let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. And baseball free agency is not maybe everyone's most interesting topic. But we did have, you know, a, 
well, we did have a potentially very exciting free agency this year with Shohei Otani and then Yamamoto um, coming from Japan. And it was reported last night. Obviously, if you don't know Shohei Otani, um, I think this was two or three weeks ago, signed with the Dodgers. Not only signed with the Dodgers, but basically made his contract in a way where they're paying him in terms of their salary cap and the luxury tax very little early on, and they're deferring the payments for later on. And what that does is allow the team to bring in bigger players. And it's And for Shohei Otani to evade taxes. Yeah, and listen. Don't get it twisted. And we're not and we're not debating that whole thing. But my point is, is this. Well, this is the thing. So we find out last night and Yamamoto last week, it was reported that the Red Sox had, you know, posted a big offer. Even yesterday in the afternoon, it was said that the Yankees manager had come out and said he was a special guy, which seemed to imply that, you know, the Yankees were, you know, making headway and they've apparently they've gone to Japan quite a few times and. So we kind of thought maybe that might happen. And then we find out overnight that Yamamoto signs a $325 million contract with the Dodgers. And so that means that our two biggest free agents, you know, over this free agency period are now with the Dodgers. And I have to say that I really don't think this is good for baseball. And the reason is, is because first of all, let's go back to COVID. Okay. Going back to that Blake Snell season, you're sitting there watching a game. It's the eighth inning. You are now watching your fifth pitcher warm up because they're matching bullpens and all this stuff like that. There's no pitch clock. And literally, your significant other is drafting up divorce papers in the other room because you're spending five hours watching a baseball game and you're not even enjoying it. Well, I think baseball has made tremendous steps with the pitch clock, limiting the amount of relievers that could come in and really making the game more modern, more smooth. I think the last season was terrific. And so I feel like it's going in a great direction. You know, you had the Padres last year, get Bogarts, get Soto, you know, and, and just, you know, obviously they already had Tatis. You, obviously they were a disappointment, but, you know, the league, I think, you know, listen, were any of us excited about the Diamondbacks and Rangers in the World Series? Probably, probably not. However... There, it, it felt like we were building towards something, even if the way the playoffs ended maybe wasn't as exciting as we thought it would be. And so I have to say that I'm very disappointed today to see that these two massive players that, you know, are really going to define a team's trajectory for the next, you know, five, seven, maybe even 10 years are both with the Dodgers. And it feels like, look, the MLB isn't the NBA. These aren't the super teams with the Cavs and the Warriors. And, you know, the Dodgers aren't, like, guaranteed to be a World Series. But it did come out this afternoon before we recorded this that they're obviously the presumptive favorites, which I knew was going to happen um, for the World Series this year. And, you know, I think it would have been way more exciting. And we're Red Sox fans, dude. But I would have much rather have seen Yamamoto go to the Yankees or at least to be – you know, in the AL, you know, the AL so that we had, you know, sort of Shohei Hotani as one big figure with the Dodgers. And then we had an AL team and we had the hope of maybe them facing off on a World Series or something like that. But I just feel like having these two big stars go to the Dodgers, it really feels like to me at this point, and this is a bigger trend in baseball that we can talk about in terms of teams investing their money and these sorts of things, for it all to go to one team and for it to be the Dodgers – I just don't think that's good for baseball. I don't think that sets us up for people being really excited 
for a season of great competition. Now I feel like we're going to be spending the season going like, well, it's really the Dodgers to lose. Are they going to mess it up? And I don't know about you, Nick, but I don't find it exciting where the season is about the best team not messing it up. Yeah, man. Uh, I definitely was surprised that he went to the Dodgers, especially hearing all the reports from the Yankees that his ears perked up when they talked about the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. I really thought he was going to be a Yankee. Unlike you, I would have been tight. You can't get Soto and Yamamoto all in one. But with that being said, but they, but can I like they tried yeah. to and they sent an offer, so you could like that. Like I'm just gonna push back, like, and I don't want to get too inappropriate, but I was, you know, these are these are the type of wealthy people who. I don't know. I I, I, I Look, don't want to go too into. Let's just say they could s- spend their money on whatever they want. They have plenty of it. So to say yeah. they like they could. They well, could. no. What I'm saying is a Red Sox fan. I, I you can't. Uh, we can't let that happen. You know what I'm saying? Like I I can't let Soto and Yamamoto be on the same team. Like I would have personally gone to the airport and sat in front of the, the because it's gate. the Yankees. Yeah, because it's the Yankees and sat sat in front of it. With a tree, and all right, yeah, move the tree and move me, big dog. You try, because you ain't going to the Yankees. But the second worst alternative was the L.A. Dodgers. Right. The L.A. Dodgers have won 100 games, it feels like, every year since, I don't know, 2017. They have one World Series, and it was the COVID season. And, I mean, the Blake Snell incident happened and all that. They've underperformed in the playoffs, but they really have become the most unlikable team, and they really haven't done anything, which is interesting. My thing is, you're right. It it absolutely is those. It's, well, the Dodgers, I think they're like plus 350, which is unheard of for a World Series champion, like, bet. Like, it's not even worth betting. But I think you're right. We're going to go through the whole season. Well, like, yeah, whatever. They're going to win 120 games. Let's see what they can do in the playoffs. I also will say Japanese and Chinese and Chinese pitchers have not always worked out. Now, do I think Yamamoto is going to work out? Yeah. 12-year deal, by the way. 12 I think years, Shohani was 10. Dude, it's, so not only do they have Shohei and Yamamoto, which are two faces of the league, but more... I don't want to say this is going to sound like entitled, but more deep knowledge baseball fan. They have Mookie Betts, arguably the best outfielder in baseball. Had an MVP level year. If you look at the the deeper sabermetric numbers, Mookie Betts was better than Acuna. I don't need to go in there. I think Acuna still sort of won MVP. They also had the best first baseman in the National League in Freddie Freeman. They were two and three in the NL MVP conversation. So now you have the AL MVP. The runner-up NL MVP, the third-place NL MVP, all from last year, and the best pitcher, pitching prospect from Japan that we've ever seen, all on one team. With, they still have Walker Bueller, a bona fide ace, Clayton Kershaw, a Hall of Famer. Like, they have all these dudes. I mean, you're right, Jake. It it really is just going to be a season of, well... It's inevitable. The Dodgers will win. But I will say, dude, if they lose, and I think they will. Dave Roberts, I think, is a horrible manager. <laughs> he does a better job than me, but I don't get paid millions to do it. 
if they lose, dude, the memes will be electric. Because they're the new evil empire. They're the new Yankees. Everyone hates the Dodgers. It don't matter who you are. Everyone hates the Dodgers. The, like, the Yankees, yeah, they got soda. Congrats. Well, the Dodgers just said, yeah, what anything you can do, I can do better. I got the best player in baseball and the best pitching prospect we've ever seen. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that they will change the, uh, I guess it was essentially a buy. No, it wasn't a buy, but it, well, it kind of was because there were the, I believe it was, there was the wild card matchups. Yes, yes, it's a buy for the first seed. Yeah, do you think they will fix that? Because it seemed to be a disadvantage for the first seed. So do you think that they'll make a change? Well, or do you think that teams will just try to avoid the first well, seed? Well, listen to this. If you look at the numbers, data shows, and this is funny because we're going to the data thing again. I'm so data shows that that many days rest is actually beneficial according to the data. However, players hate it. But that's the thing about baseball is it's not like football or these other sports where, see, I... The data says it, bro. That's all I'm saying. What I well, do I think they're going to get rid of it? No, because it's so much money that they're gaining with this baseball. And baseball is on the rise with, like you said, all of the pitch clock things and all of that. I don't think they'll change it, but I think if the players had anything to say about it, it would be gone. You know what's crazy? And we didn't even do this on purpose, but I'm just like on the Dodgers wiki as we're looking. They won in 2020, and it was exactly that Blake Snell situation yes. from before. Mm-hmm. I forgot that that was against yep. the Dodgers. And so it, it's, um, I, it, I, I, listen, I don't hate the Dodgers like everyone else does, like on principle. I just, again, I would rather see, and this is, you know, credit to the NBA. You know, even a team like the Memphis Grizzlies has John Morant. There's all these players that are stars or, you know, some level of star all around the league. And I think that is a cool thing. And um, I just, I really, you know, the, the thing about baseball is it becomes like, you know, you look at Ellie De La Cruz. What's that dude being paid? He's, you know, on his rookie contract, you know, so it's just... Well, it's, it, you know. dude, the issue is the salary cap. There's no salary cap in baseball, dude. Right. So, like, the Rays had all these stars, dude. Like, they had Randy Ro- Arena, Tyler Glass now. Well, well dude, Glass they, now is going to the Dodgers, right? Well, the, that reports are. I don't know if it's official yet. Uh, I but, think it's happening. Uh, yeah, I think it's happening, too. But with that being said, but they have to trade them because they can't, uh, they can't compete with the likes of the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mets, the Dodgers, the... The San Francisco Giants. They can't compete with these bigger markets. So because there's no cap space. Also, in every in at least in the NBA, you get bird rights. So like you are able to like if he is on the team, let's say you have Shohei Otani and he's on the Angels. Well, the Angels can offer him more money than anyone else can. Because you have their rights. So no one you can offer a super max instead of just a max. Right. So if you want to leave, you can leave, dog, but you're turning down, and it's like $60 million. Like, it ain't a small chump, chunk of change. Dude, there's nothing in the N, N, or the MLB to do that. Like, look at the Oakland A's. Look at – there's more teams that you can name that can't sustain these superstars than that you can because you can't compete with these – world-known teams. Like, if you went to China, everyone's got a Yankees hat, Red Sox hat, now a Dodgers hat, right? But 
no one's got a Pittsburgh Pirates hat because you can't you can't afford to keep these players because these players are going to go get three hundred million dollar deals. Yeah, I mean, again, going back to the original topic though, those other big teams, those other hats that you're talking about, I wish they had shown more willingness to again. <laughs> And yeah, I'm making assumptions, but from meal to meal to expensive trip to expensive trip to, I'm not going to go there, but I want to say it's so bad. You know, let's just say things that rich men do to things that rich men do. I'm sure they're, they're happy to pay what they pay there. And so you would just hope that when it comes to the team, when it comes to a, a player like Yamamoto, who, I mean, a 12 year deal is, is indicative of how, impactful he could be on a team and so you know obviously that deal's not a bargain but 325 for 12 years of someone that you know is going to be I mean of course we don't know what the future is but again I'm sure when it comes to eating sushi off the bleep of the bleep with the bleep they're happy to pay for that you know that's all I'm saying dude all I'm gonna say bro is if you had a choice, where would you live? New York or L.A., baby? New York, not even a question. Are you for real? Yeah, I'm, I'm for real. I got, all right, dude, the podcast is over. <laughs> Episode two. Dude, L.A., bro, catch me in Malibu, dog. I mean, I'm sorry. Now I'm just going to hit it because, like, we have a list of, like, 170 people, associates of Jeffrey Epstein, coming out. And this is what I'm dancing around. I I guarantee you that we are going to get names. And again, like, like if you've watched that stuff, like these people are spending their money and like this goes into corporate greed and stuff. I, I just like I know it doesn't connect, but like to me it does where it's like, you know, they're spending their money in other places and you know, they're taking more than they should and they're paying their kids and the kids are on the payroll. And we know that all that stuff happens. So again, like, I, I just the fact that you would let the Dodgers get all these players and not put up meaningful resistance. And I guess this really is like becoming a Boston thing and a Fenway sports group thing because it's just becoming cheap. And it's also the age of the pizza party bonus. So it just is like this bigger thing that I feel like is happening that it just again, when I saw that Yamamoto news, I'm like, of course, of course, let the Dodgers get them all. And make all of us fans have basically a wasted season. Thanks. And on that note, let's move into a more lighter topic. <laughs> How come men can't call other men hot? You know, it's a great it's a great segue and a great time. Because this is something that I will say that I feel very fortunate about with my wife. Is that, now it doesn't exactly go for women as much. But, like, we can have these conversations. And it's great. It's fun. You know, but... I do feel like it's sad that someone would be shamed for saying or thinking these things, especially by like women too, right? I mean, that was your story. Yeah, I'll being, get into my yeah, go story. Ahead. Yeah, go, go, go. All right, yo, so I I am a straight male, but like my girlfriend has friends, believe it or not. She talks to people other than me. Shocking because all you really do need to do is talk to me, even mm-hmm. though I'm in the doghouse right now recording this pod. Um, so she's got friends who are single. They're on Tinder. And I'm like, yo, let me, let me get a look at that guy. Oh, bro. Like, I'll be like, swipe left. I'm like, dude, that dude's ugly. Oh, dude, that dude. 
that's it. That guy right there, swipe right. Like, that's a handsome man. And they'll look at me and be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, bro, dude, just because I'm straight doesn't mean, like, dude, I can admit when someone's handsome. Right. Like, it, like why? how come girls can be like, slay queen, you're so hot. And if, I, if I'm like, yo, bro, you're looking good. Oh, crucify me, dude. Pause. pause yeah, pause. You know, yeah. Pause. Crucify me, dude. It's just so frustrating. I just don't get why I can't sit here and be like, you know what? Yeah, Joe Burrow is handsome. Like, I wish I looked like Joe Burrow. He's on the list. He's on the list. Yeah. There's a, there's a, you know the show Archer? Yeah. The creators of that show had a show beforehand, which is great. Very obscure adult swim show called Frisky Dingo. It's one of my favorites. And they had like little stupid jokes that it's funny. Some of them actually come back in Archer and you can be like, oh, they brought that one back. But one of them is Slideshow. She's in it. Slideshow. He's in it. So like Joe Burrow, Slideshow. He's in it. Like Dude. for sure. Tom Brady, Slideshow. The guy who plays Aurora Nora Zoa for oh, on One, one Time. Facts. On One Piece. Sorry. One Time's our bowling team. Um. On One Piece, slideshow, he's in it. Like, come on. Come on now. And I do feel like that's something that... So here's here's my thing on that. I think one of the things, and I don't know if this is still true for younger folks, but I think this is something that I think, I believe, is universally true and will always be true for humanity, is that there is an assumption of time elapsing and progress being a function of time it's like and again i'm an anthropology guy so like think about the utterance come on guys it's 2023 and we're still doing this that utterance assumes that the passage of time is going to signify progress like right because you're saying all this time has elapsed why are we still caught up in this and i feel like that is something that will always be true in 2569 they'll be like Guys, it's 2,569. We're still talking about this type of thing. But what I've realized as I've gotten older is that time and progress do not correlate at all. And so, again, the knee jerk is for me to say, yeah, dude, it's 2023. Like, why can't, why do we still have so much toxic male? And it comes from all areas and from all types of people, all, all different groups and whatever. But exactly like the idea that men can't, positively comment about other men or have fear about that it's a it's a shame it's it's a shame that that is the case so i i, I love that question i'm glad that we brought and it I'm up i'm not going to expand on that any further because that yeah that's it nope right. sounds I, like you're afraid sounds like you're playing i was into looking the whole like thing. i was listening and i was and i picked up maybe six percent of what you said well it was i thought it, it was, was pretty... deep i do know that <laughs> hopefully our viewers or our listeners will get it but yeah, you oh, had me great. lost. Well, feel free to comment. And I guess this is a good time to say that we are on Instagram. We're uh, Two Putts Pod on Instagram. And we're also on X as well. So feel free to give us a follow. And uh, the TikTok's uh, coming. Oh, right. TikTok. I forget that TikTok exists. Um, tell me about one NFL game I should look at this weekend. Let's. I mean, let's just talk about the uh, the big one. Niners, Ravens. Mm. Let's look at it. Do you it, think dude. that could be a Super Bowl matchup? I actually think it will be the Super Bowl matchup. Okay. That's my early, uh, late season prediction. I mean, dude, just two juggernauts going at it. Uh, Lamar Jackson's Lamar Jackson. Brock Purdy and his uh, cast. The defenses are just 
elite, two great coaches. I mean, if I was to bet on who's going to win the game, dude, I'm picking the Ravens, bro. Yeah, I was going to say, I would take the maybe the more experienced quarterback in that situation. I'm taking the Ravens because um, it's a huge game. I will say it's at 1 o'clock. It's not a primetime game, which is they didn't Are you flex. sure? Because isn't it Monday, December 25th? No, they at didn't 8:15? flex it. No, I, well, let me look. I'm on ESPN right now. It's Christmas Day. It? Dude, Christmas Day night game, 8-15. Let me look. Oh, so they did change it. The last I checked, it was 1 o'clock on Sunday. So They gave it the prime time on Monday. Thank Christmas. God. Uh, yeah. yeah, dude, it's just going to be two, two juggernauts going at it. I really have nothing to say other than, I mean, if you're a football fan, you better have that game on. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll just say is that I, I do think that um, this season and we look at, you know, the Bills and the mess that they've been and now Kansas City has really sort of just I, I don't know who could be high on Kansas City right now. It really does feel like the Ravens, ha- they're 11 and three. I feel like they've been probably the most consistent team in the AFC. And obviously it's probably close between the 49ers and Eagles for the NFC. But I don't know how the Eagles could inspire confidence, and that's not just the recency bias of Seattle coming back. I think there's been a lot of criticism about Jalen Hurts and about it being a kind of like a perfect situation for him and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I would love to see Lamar Jackson get a Super Bowl ring. And I have to be honest, I am not a fan of San Francisco. I am just not a fan. Like, so... Personally, for me, I don't really care about Monday. I do think it would be a great Super Bowl, and I would like the Ravens in that game. All right, bro. I mean, I mean, do we want to get into the Rashard Mendenhall tweet real quick? Did you see that? I don't even. I don't even know. It hit me with it. Yo, so he's an ex first round running back, and he kind of hit on what we talked about last pod. Basically, like you people here couldn't play this sport. Um, so I don't know how it got brought up, but he talked about the all white, all black game. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. I saw this pop up with the all white, all black thing. And I was like, how is this? Okay. There's like a George Costanza classic thing where there's like this guy that Elaine's dating and they're like, is he black? And George is like, I really don't think we should be talking about this. I was watching this Mendenhall video. He's a white guy, right? No, he's a black running back. Okay, well, there, there was a white guy who was doing his, like, he was sh- talking about the teams. And I was literally sitting there like George Costanza, like, I really don't think we should be talking about this Dude, right all I have to say on that, and we don't, we don't have to get into it at all, but I just wanted to bring it up this pod because I still can't believe it was tweeted, is Barstool Sports <laughs> did a simulation of the all-white team versus the all-black team. And go watch it. It is peak comedy. Um, it's on Madden. It's go watch it. That's all I have to say. Well, I'm just going to say again, I really don't think we should be talking about this. Like it just feels so, you know, when I'll just like, are those the conversations that are going to lead towards the progress that we're looking for in this world? Not to me, but, and listen, if there's pride on both sides and whatever it is, then okay. But, um, I really don't think we should be talking about this. Like, bro, you know I mean? dude, it's just, just go I watch really the video, bro. Go watch the video. And if you want to cut this from the pod, cut it from the pod. No, I, I kind of like this. Uh, go this watch side. the video. Because I got I, nothing to say. As a privileged white man, I got nothing to say. I really don't think we should be talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
listen, I think we were a tight product this this week. I mean, long product, but good product. And um, follow us, find us, Two Putts Pod. Um, also, a shout out for football in general podcast that my friends do. Really great football podcast. Oh, dude, and we'll end it on this fantasy playoffs, dude. That's it. That, that's all you got to say. End end it. Boned. End it. B-O-N-E-D. Boned. It was a rough one. I'm never wanting to talk about fantasy football ever again. And uh, Until August. I, I hope no one else is feeling that. Well, you have like, you're one of those like eight league people, so okay, you still got off, one. Okay, first chill. But... Eight divided by four. I have two leagues, and one of them I don't even care. It auto-drafted my team, and I'm the best team in the league. And the other one I cared about, I lost to Jared Goff and Sam Laporta. And I'll, I'm done talking about it. The podcast is over. Well, we appreciate you all tuning in. We'll see you all next week, all right? Bye. Bye, brothers.